HBCU Pulse Radio yeah. on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today, where we are continuing our journey through the history of College Hill, sponsored by the HBCU Experience, America's first black reality TV series. The book is available now on Amazon. I have the book. It is amazing. Make sure to go check it out. We talked to Rodney from College Hill Season 3. We talked to Crystal from College Hill Season 4. And now today, we're going to be talking to the one and only Bianca from College Hill Season 3. She honestly was one of my favorite characters. And this was such an amazing interview where Bianca gave a lot of insight into situations that we quite honestly did not know about. And I think it's such an interesting contrast that you hear it in these interviews about the impact of reality TV. And Bianca had a very interesting story that is an exclusive about how College Hill actually helped her get through school. So it's an amazing interview. I'm super excited for you to hear about it. Bianca from College Hill, Virginia State University. Make sure to follow HBCU Pulse on Instagram and YouTube at HBCU Pulse. Twitter and TikTok, the HBCU Pulse. You can donate to HBCU Pulse at dollar sign HBCU Pulse via Cash App or PayPal.me slash HBCU Pulse. Of course, any contribution helps us out. And last but certainly not least, you can listen to HBC Pulse Radio on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU and wherever you get your podcast, Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. All right, so let's go on and get into it. My interview with Bianca from College Hill, Virginia State University. HBCU. They know just who we are. Pulse Radio. So how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing really, really good. I can't complain, and I have a lot of thanks to give to God because I've been blessed. I've been very blessed. Yeah, I, I can tell because you're in the book, the HBC Experience, America's first black reality TV series, the first time that anyone has done this. So how does it feel to be a part of this book, and especially the first edition about College Hill? It's very overwhelming. It's overwhelming in the sense of, man, uh, we were on air almost 20 years ago. And this was at a time where all we had, what, uh, Facebook, MySpace. So, like, the presence of social media and how big people can get via social media wasn't, that didn't really exist back then. So, for people to still remember us, for people to say, hey, we want to see what you guys are doing now, you know, when they have the celebrity version that, that's out now. It's its overwhelming. It's heartwarming. It means that we left our mark on people. And that's thats really cool. Yeah, you were one of my favorite characters, for real. I'm not even lying. You were one of my favorite characters. Like, every scene, you stole it. Every scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, you really was, was like, my favorite character, for real. So I gotta know, like, how did you get on College Hill? And, I, and I, you see, like, I'm being so for real. Like, you were, like, my favorite character. You, you right here. I watched this DVD. So it probably don't work no more. <laughs> I watched it so much. So, like, how did you get on College Hill? So we know that there were auditions. 
And you know, for some folks, like like and Rodney talked about it and Ray talked about it, they didn't really even audition. Like people said, hey, talk to this person, talk to that person. So what was your journey to getting on College Hill season three? I was just trying to be in college. I got to school in a different way than most people do. Most people leave high school and they go right into college. I didn't have that luxury. So for me to be 21 starting school, you know, where most people are like 18 starting school, it was already different. I was there to learn. Um, so uh, basically I didn't want to try out. I saw, I, I heard about it. I didn't really know what college Hill was, but I heard that they were doing auditions. I wasn't interested. So I would go to the library. I had a car on campus. So at the end of the night, when I finished studying, my friends got out of their auditions, I would take them home. So like, I guess a couple of rounds towards the end of the rounds of auditions that they had, I got a phone call and they were like, hey, so we were wondering if you wanted to audition for College Hill. And I was like, I'm not here to be on TV. I'm here to get a college education. Like I have a different set of circumstances. I have nobody helping me out. I can't deviate from the plan. Um, but the issue was I was like virtually homeless, so I didn't have anywhere to stay. So I told my friends about the phone call. Cause I'm like, first of all, who gave you my number? Oh, we got it from someone. Cause you know, that's the first question you got to ask when you get an unknown number. How did you get my number? <laughs> so, um, and I was so serious about that back in the day. Cause I didn't even really talk to my dad a lot. And when someone would give him my number, I'd be like, Jose, why are you on my line? Who gave you this number? <laughs> So if I'm willing to do it to my dad, you know, I really don't care how, how I'm going to talk to somebody else. So I deliberated it and then I decided, yeah, I cannot afford to live and be in school. So the best option was for me to at least get through my first semester by having a place to live. So I tried out. I didn't think I was going to make it. I tried out and they, everybody had like these facades on. And I'm looking around and I, it's kind of irritating. And uh, they were like, someone asked me like, what's, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm just not willing to pretend to be someone who I who I'm not. Like, I'm me, I'm not putting on a facade, I'm not gonna play around and pretend that I'm bigger than I am. Like, this is not what I'm about to do. So if that's what you guys wanna do, that's fine, but you can count me out on that. And then they showed up at my classroom. I was extremely shocked. They showed up on my classroom. I uh, didn't know what to expect. So it was really interesting. And then I didn't find out until later on that Rodney and Ray, a few of the others, had gotten selected in the same manner. Apparently later on, I guess they had some kind of video that we saw like way after we finished, we wrapped up pr production and stuff. And I was walking down the street and somebody honked at me and I like turned around and fire firecracker Bianca decided that she was gonna use some choice words to ask them why the blank they were honking at me. So <laughs> I assumed that they, by that time, like I was like, oh, you guys knew I had a little bit of fire in me. So that's probably why they had, they had selected me. Wow, like I, I wasn't expecting this story and I think this the this part of the story that's amazing to me is the fact that like it seemed like College Hill was perfect. It was divine for you. Like it was that divine type of timing, you know? In my life right now, I've had so many things that prove that God is real. He has masterfully crafted a journey for me that hasn't been easy. And not everybody's journey is easy, but he crafted a journey which 
I was able to help a lot of people. A lot of, I was able to learn from a lot of people. I was able to fellowship with a lot of people. I was able to see the world. So yes, every single step in my journey has been handcrafted by God, but, um, yeah, it was, it was divine. You know, it, I needed a place to stay, a place to stay was provided. Like I need a little bit of extra cash in my pocket, cash in my pocket was provided. I needed some food to eat. I knew they weren't about to let us go hungry. <laughs> I'm not gonna look on TV, seven college students or six college students going hungry. That, that's just bad for TV, so. It, it, that wouldn't be good for BET. <laughs> like B, BET ain't feeding their cast members. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like listen, Al Sharpton would have loved to heard that. You know, all the protests that was going on at that time, they would have been like, what? You're not, right. you not feeding them? <laughs> it would have been, I would have been out there 10 years old. You yeah. better feed them. <laughs> you know? How did you approach the house then? You know, so you had this, you have this story where, you know, it was divine timing. And like, this was the right moment for you because everything that was going on and the show was going on, you're filming. So how did you approach it with that story? So I grew up rooted in God, but I strayed away from him various times. Back in that time, you couldn't have told me that anything that was happening in my life was divine. So at, back in that time, everything was like a knee-jerk reaction. Like, this is the situation. All right, make a decision and go. And that was my life. A lot of times I didn't have time to sit or wait on other opportunities and stuff. So going into College Hill, I was like, well, these people are going to like me or they're going to hate me or they're going to be indifferent. And guess what? There were people that loved me. There were people that absolutely hated me. And there were people that were indifferent. You know, at the end of the day, I just wanted to go in. I'm a prankster. I always have been a prankster. So uh, just in case anybody was like, oh, you know, she's not really a prankster. She doesn't, she was just doing that for the clout. Nah, honey, this is the real me. <laughs> so like, how do you think you were portrayed on the show? Like, like, do you look back and say, you know what, that was me, but maybe that was too much. Or you think, you know what, I did that and that's me. You know, like, how, how do you think you were portrayed on the show? So they wanted to portray me, in my opinion, as kind of like the sex kitten of the show. You know, um, someone who's sexy, exotic, because I'm Puerto Rican. Um, and cool, fine, I, I play into that. But what a lot of people don't know is that I was dumped, like, right as I was moving to school. And then in my very first semester at this new school that I just moved into with none of my friends around, I got on this TV show, you know? So there were so many big changes that happened almost simultaneously. Was uh, was I too big at times? Yes, absolutely. Could I have toned things down? Yeah. A lot of things were also taken out of context. You know, for instance, like the food fight and me stealing Will's Ninja Turtle. Like, yeah, I took it, but I didn't understand. I didn't know like the sentimental value behind it. I knew his father had given it to him, but we all have tons of things that our parents have given us. I just didn't know like it, it had to do with his father and his father passing and stuff like that. And since then we've, Will and I have always had like this big brother sister relationship so we like we love to fight with each other publicly and then we'll make up you know 
Um, but you know, since then we've made up and everything was fine with that. But I just feel like they did try to portray me in a light that wasn't a hundred percent really how I was. I think I played into it a lot as well. Uh, there was a scene with the jacuzzi that a lot of people remember and they like to use that as their claim of that's who I am. However, what a lot of people don't realize is the timing between everything was not as quickly as it was portrayed on TV. Not only that, it looks like, hey, I just romp a room, took it off and threw it up in the air and I'm just like chilling like with the tatas hanging out. Well, no tatas hanging out. And the reason why it took me so long to get my top back was because I wasn't willing to get out the jacuzzi without my top on to get my top back. And then you know, people are going to talk and you give them stuff to talk about, you know. So I think that they took a lot of things out of context. If more people would have known that, hey, I had just gotten dumped and I was heartbroken. It was a guy that I was with for like four years or something like that. I don't think that they would have had the same impression if they really would have known. And you get a little editing uh, magic going on in there where they chop and, and screw things, you know. And I don't think that I would have looked as bad. But I mean, in the end of the day uh what i know and what i see when i watch it is someone who was extremely hurt i had a lot of past trauma and i was just crying for help really so when i look back that's really what i see i see a kid who is extremely brave extremely hurt who didn't really know how to navigate i didn't have the same support system that any of anybody else in our cast had so i mean it is what it is but i don't think i was portrayed as a bad person i just think that people just took what they wanted from it and just ran with with their own narrative hey that makes sense and that's a really rational way to look at the reality tv experience because like they are painting a character they are basically writing a character that they think would be you know the most compelling you know to be on tv i think you had on something interesting about just the level of like growth and what you were going through so like how did you grow in in the spotlight because i know that it wasn't like it was a live show like it like you recorded it it came more months later but like how did you grow with those cameras on you with the attention with the eyes on you like what was that growth experience like during the show I uh, developed an anxiety disorder. To be honest, that's what happened. I It was really difficult to go out after because you never knew who was coming at you. You never knew whether someone was coming at you because you were cool or you didn't know if they were coming at you because they wanted to give you a piece of their mind. It baffles me. Like, like yes, I lived my life on TV, but at the end of the day, me living my life on TV for whatever reasons I deemed those to be necessary, it really doesn't give you any right to to have any, like your opinion is mute. And it that it's taken me this long to realize like, hey, they can have their opinion. I just don't have to care about their opinion. So now when people, you know, oh, I feel like you could have done this differently. Well, that's great. Next time when you're walking in my shoes, let me know how you do it. <laughs> hey, listen, you gotta tell them folks that. Like, listen, you got, you got, you got to talk because a lot of folks, like, we don't be on TV, but they got a lot of opinions about how we are, and mm -hmm. I'm not on TV, and then they want to talk like, like, what's, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? So you got, you got courage telling them that. I let people know all the time if you, if you want an accurate depiction of who I am, talk to my dad, talk to my sister talk to my best friends, talk to the men that I've dated in my life, because nine times out of 10, everyone has something positive to say about me. Everybody has a story on how I tried to affect someone's life 
in a positive way. So for the people who just want to be haters and stuff, I'm just like, that's cool. That's your lane. Everyone has a role to play. You're just a hater. That's cool. Hey, listen, they, hey, everybody got a role and, and, and their role is limited. You know yeah. what I'm saying? One episode, you gone. I'm here for the whole series, all right? Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? You got to let them know. You know what I'm saying? Well, you got you, you, you to let them know. That's 20 years ago, and here we are 20 years later still talking about the same stuff. And so. then who's talking about them? Nobody's <laughs> talking about them. We don't know where they, where they at. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, listen, like, like they got left back on MySpace, man. We're not worried about them. We, 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 are, we on AI now. You feel me? Like, yeah. listen, yeah. Like, we, we, like, we, we out here. You know. So let me ask you this then. So you know, you said that the perception of you on the show wasn't necessarily who you are. And I think that when it comes to reality TV, when a lot of folks look at reality TV, especially honestly in the black community, we look at it as, hey, this is entertainment, but at the same time, is this the best depiction of HBCUs? This is the best depiction of our community. So like, how do you think the show in this season really tackled college life? Because for me, like when I look at this season, I didn't see season one or season two, but I saw season four. And I feel as if this is the most realistic depiction of college out of all of them that I've seen. So for you, like, how do you think the show handled college? I, I would agree. I would say that our season, everyone who participated in our season, they were authentically themselves for the most part. On top of that, they they got to show us doing what we do as college students. Like sometimes we were sleeping in, sometimes we were missing work, as I did. Sometimes we were partying. They had scenes where we were studying and we were working together to do PSAs and, and stuff like that. So I think that while I believe that they could have done more to show more of the campus life of kids in college, I do th think that they did as good a job as they could have done at that time to make it entertaining and to bring light to HBCUs. Let's not get it twisted. All the fun that we had and how whatever light people want to say that they that they portrayed people of color or the HBCUs, our shows increased. The volume of students applying to school, thinking about going to school, applying for school, being accepted into school, and actually going to school. And not just on an HBCU level, it was across all colleges. People wanted to go to college because of us. The real world didn't have anything like BT didn't have anything like that. So I think that we really paved the way. And could people have wanted things to be a little bit different, a little more school focused? Yeah, but at the same time, they had to get ratings. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword and it's a multifaceted issue. I would like to see more seasons. I would like to see the seasons doing more projects where they dive into history of like the schools and stuff like that. Because I think a lot of the HBCUs have very rich history, you know, that not many people outside of those HBCUs really, really know about. And it would be good for the world as, as a whole, or even just the United States for people to know more about that. So I do think that there's room for growth. I don't think that they did everything they, they could have done, but I think given the circumstances, I don't think that they did a bad job. Yeah, and like I said, especially this season, because to me, out of all of the seasons, this was the one that really felt like college. It really felt like I was on campus with y'all, like doing homecoming with the football game, doing the basketball game. Like when they were, you were in class and they went to get you. Like, like I, I really was there. And as someone that was in college, I was watching it. 
I'm like, I really feel as if I'm a part of this and this is the experience yeah. because HBCUs are about school because this is something they talked about with the quad. Like, oh, there's not enough classwork. Like HBCUs are about school. We get our education, but mm-hmm. there is an off-campus component. There is an organizational component. There is a campus life component that happens that to me makes makes our experience at HBCUs different. But right. I got to ask you about this since we're talking about how the original College Hill was. So how are you feeling about College Hill Celebrity edition. So uh, I'll admit that I have seen the first episode of this new season. I like to stream my shows like in a weekend. I'm like a avid streamer. I'll, I'll put it in the background when I'm working and I'll just stream a whole season within a couple of days. So I haven't had a chance to actually watch the entire season or what they've released so far, but it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It de- definitely is. So like, so that first episode, so in that first episode, they move in, you got Jocelyn, she locking folks out. You got New York, who, like I said, New York was on reality TV when y'all were on reality TV. So like, how are you feeling like just seeing all, all, all of that and all the stuff that went on that first episode? They've got a lot going on. I think it's good that you've got celebrities that want to go back and get certificates, you know, and graduate and get certificates in something. I don't feel like it's a true depiction of college life, though. It could be a true depiction of college life for someone who is famous, and that's fine. Um, but, like, us as college students, like, we struggle to pay the rent. We struggle to find something to eat. A lot of times you'll have a group of friends and like, say you don't have today, like my friend would be like, oh, we'll just come over. We're cooking, you know, or, you know, the next time we went out, like someone else would get the tab or I would get the tab. So college students who are in college organic, the organic way, they have a lot more challenges. Like you look at me and Audrina, me and Audrina, when we left the College Hill house, we were homeless they had to let us stay there for uh until they finished breaking everything down and so we could find a place to live and we ended up being roommates and and living together the celebrities they're not really they don't have to worry about those things they can afford to sleep in when you don't have anybody paying for your schooling and when what you're gonna do for the rest of your life depends on that paper that you're gonna walk out with you know and the knowledge that you're you're walking out with you're not going to be missing school i mean people do miss school but you know not on that level you know so i mean i think that it has good things to offer i think it's good um that celebrities want to get interested in going back to college particularly hbcus i think that it's great for exposure i think hbcus need that exposure they need more money so I think that it's really good. I just don't think that it reaches the the normal demographic, the regular demographic for the College Hill series, which was actual students in college being them, trying to navigate living with people for the first time, probably trying to navigate making it to their class on time, getting sick, you know, trying to do their a- extracurricular activities and stuff like that. So I... I just think that it's different. And I'm glad that they dubbed it as a spinoff for that reason. Um, but I'm hoping that they'll get back into the business of bringing real college students and, you know, cause it's, it's like, cool. Like you look at our season, like I never thought that I would have done as much as I've done with my life. Like, let's be honest. I, I never even thought that I was going to finish 
my bachelor's degree and I did that. I got a certificate. I got a pilot's license. I turned around. I got an MBA. I got a graduate certificate in analytics. I've traveled the world and stuff. I never expected any of that from my life. And I think that these are the stories that you're like, wow, like that person went to college and you know what? That avenue didn't work out for her at that time. And look at how many detours and how many turns I had to do. But at the end of the day, I got a degree. You know, I got a good job. I'm able to take care of myself. I don't want for nothing. I could be a beacon of light for other people. I can help other people. So I think when they get back into the business of just getting the real college kids in there, then then they'll start to get even more people interested in going to school. I really hope Ray J graduates this time. Like, I really hope he does. Like, it seems like he wants to, and I don't think anybody would, or not many people would go back for punishment for a second time. No, I say punishment because, shoot, being in college feels like a punishment. I don't know. Sometimes it does, yeah. I cried the whole entire, my whole entire MBA program, I cried. Mm. Every day. Well, it was also because I I wasn't allowing myself to get anything less than a 4.0. So I literally just cried every day. It was horrible. Um, So for him to want to put himself back through that punishment, I feel like he really wants. So I want it for Ray J. I really want Ray J to get his certificate. Let's talk about before before we go. Let's talk about your chapter in the HBC experience, America's first black reality TV series, because like you've just told me a lot. And like I always say that I'm excited to, you know, read someone's chapter. But now I'm very excited because you told me stuff that we never would have known had we not heard this interview and even if we didn't read the book. So tell me about what your chapter is about in the book. So my my chapter is about grit and perseverance. It's about understanding that no matter what happens to you, it was probably a part of the plan or you deviated from the plan and it took you a little bit more time to get back to the plan, but everything happens for a reason. And that thinking outside of the box can get you extremely far. I did not have a typical life from childhood until now. After I finished school, the book talks about how after I finished school, what happened to me, how I got a chance to finally get my degrees because I didn't graduate. I had to leave school. It talks about the the people that were a light for me and that being part of the reason why I like to be a light for other people. Like I truly believe that God put us in here in this world to be a beacon of light for other people. So my story isn't just my story. It's not just just for me. My story is to help other people who might be facing similar challenges. So I always want to be a beacon of light for everyone else because I've had some very powerful people that have been a beacon of light in my life. So before we go to everyone where they can find you on social media. So on social media, um, Instagram, I'm flyaway little bird, and that's L-I-L, not L-I-T-T-L-E. Um, it's a double entendre. I have a pilot's license, so I can fly away, but sometimes I just don't like people in my face, so I'd be like, fly away, bird. And within the next year, I plan on writing, an, uh, writing a book 
that I'm going to be writing just by myself. And it's basically about growing up in a family that has mental health issues and how life is for the children and basically how you can work to be a better person and how you can work to avoid some of the pitfalls that I fell into. Bianca, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Like what you hear? Yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to HBCU HBCU Pulse Pulse Radio. Radio.